Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. message on the Christian walk, if you, if you remember a couple weeks ago, we bumped into this, and there's six different practical steps that I think we as Christians should live out in our Christian walk. And a couple weeks ago, I shared with you step one and step two. Today, I want to get to step three and four, and then next week, Lord willing, or the next, we'll get to step five and step six. But there's six different steps that I want to share with you concerning to the Christian faith and the Christian walk and how we as believers should live our life because it does make a difference how we live, okay? So before I get into that, uh, why don't you go ahead and turn in your Bibles to First John. You'll be there whenever we finish praying, but I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump around a lot of different passages of Scripture we're going to share with you this morning, uh, but let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for our time together as a church family. Lord, we do pray for those that are traveling, for those that are not here, for those that are on vacation. Uh, we ask you, Lord, to be with them, give them traveling mercy and grace. Uh, we just thank you for your love for us. Thank you for a place that we can come and we can open the Word of God and we can worship the Spirit of truth together. And Lord, we just pray that you speak to our hearts today. Hide me behind the shadow of the cross. Help me to share what it is you've laid on my heart to share with each and every one of us. And I pray that the Spirit of God would open up our hearts and give us understanding. Help us to receive the Word of God today. And then help us to not only hear it, but to apply it to our lives and live it out on a daily basis. We ask your blessings on this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oftentimes in the Christian life, and I said this a few weeks ago, but I want to reiterate it. Oftentimes in the Christian life, we make it way too complicated, right? Uh, we make it entirely too complex. When in reality, the Christian life is pretty simple. Jesus said, follow me, right? That's it. Follow me. So in our Christian walk, really all we're doing is following the Lord Jesus Christ. We're following him. So don't try to make it too complicated. As a matter of fact, in 1 John, and what a great epistle this is. By the way, you guys know what an epistle is? It's the wife of the apostles. Just kidding. Just even seeing if you're awake, seeing if you're paying attention. It's a letter that John wrote. And in the back of, of the New Testament, you have 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, right before you get into Jude and Revelation. It's the end of the book, or end of the, end of the New Testament. But in 1st John, it's a wonderful description. There's some amazing parallels that give just tremendous simplicity to the Christian faith. And in that, in 1st John, in, in the epistle of John, you'll find that there's a parallel between Christ and the Antichrist. You'll find there's a parallel between light and darkness. You'll find there's a parallel between truth and falsehood. You'll find there's a parallel between righteousness and sin. You'll find there's a parallel between the love of the Father versus the love of the world. You'll find there's a parallel between the Spirit of God versus the Spirit of the Antichrist. 
And what we find here, obviously, is not a complete list, but we find a letter. We find an epistle written by the Apostle John that presents the world, the entire world, an uncomplicated way of living our life, especially as a believer. And here's what you're going to find in the epistle of John. You're going to find that there is a definitive right and wrong period. Are you following me? In the way we live our life, in the things that we are involved in, in the things that encompass our world today, I want you to know there is a right way to live and there is a wrong way to live. And it's clearly articulated in the Word of God for us, especially when you start reading 1 John. Now, 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 7 is our key verse, and we're going to jump out of that and go to a lot of different passages of Scripture. But I want you to get this verse whenever we're talking about the Christian walk. 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 7. The Scripture says, but if, everybody say if. You know who that condition is on? That condition is on you. That condition is on me. What we have here in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 7 is a, get this, a conditional promise. Okay? This is not an unconditional promise. This is a conditional promise that Jesus says that we can be beneficiaries of if we do something. Well, what is that something? Let's read it again. We got two words in. I had to stop, right? Let's see if we can get a little further, okay? But if we do what? Walk. In other words, we're doing something. The word walk is simply how we live our life. Look what it says. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The reference here, the key word that I want to drill down on throughout this mini-series is the word walk. Scripture says that Enoch, in the Old Testament, walked with God and he was not because God took him. Now that's a whole other message to unpack and explain all that's going on there. But the phrase that I want you to see is in Scripture says that Enoch walked with God. In other words, the way he lived his life. We talk about different walks of life, right? Different ways that people live their life. So simply, walk means or is how we live, okay? So if we live in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus God's Son cleanses us from all sin. So I want you to see that walk is how we live. Now, how we live is determined by something. Are you tracking with me? How we walk is how we live. Well, then, how do we walk? How we walk is determined by what governs our life. How we walk is determined upon what guides us, what governs us. How we walk is how we live, which is determined upon the set of principles 
and core values that we have in our life. Now, you're not at liberty to get to make up these principles and core values. I mean, you can, but you won't be walking in the light of his son Jesus, right? If if we are going to walk and live in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, and if we're going to be the beneficiaries of having fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleansing us from all sin, then what we're going to have to do is start living and walking in the light of Jesus Himself, guided by and governed by the principles that are founded in the Word of God. Say amen or oh me, but let me know you out there. Hello? Now, let me ask you, are you living your life? In other words, and I'm going to get to this in a moment, when you make a decision, what are you basing that decision off of? When you decide to do something or not do something or be involved in something or not be involved in something, what is governing that? What is guiding you in that decision-making process? Well, that's what we're talking about. And I hope and pray for you, especially as a child of God, that it is the Word of God. That that's what guides us. It's the principles in the Word of God. It's the doctrine. And by the way, doctrine is very important. And we're living in an age today where folks are wanting to throw doctrine out the back door. Well, honey, you throw doctrine out the back door, then all you have is an entertainment center. You no longer have a church. Say amen, right? I mean, we... Everything we do here at Victory is built and established and rooted and founded on the doctrine of the Word of God, right? Now, there's some methods out there that we may do different than than others, and, and that's okay when you get into methodology, but your theology must be founded on the doctrine, the principles of the Word of God. Else, you're building a church, you're building a home, You've been on a family, you've been on a relationship, on the sands of this earth, and we know that they are always shifting. What was right 20 years ago in this world's eyes is now wrong. What was wrong 20, 30 years ago in this world's eyes is now right. Why is that? Because they're building everything on the sand, which is always shifting. It's unsettled, right? They, they take a survey and they think, what does everybody believe? And everybody says, well, I believe in this. Listen, honey, it doesn't matter what you believe. Let me just be real. Who cares what you believe? Who cares what I believe? What matters is, what does God's Word say about it? And know that one day, every single one of us are going to stand before a holy God and we are going to give an account on how we walked in this life. Right? You say, well, I just believe that. And it starts with the... Oh, just stop, you know? Matter of fact, years ago, whenever I got into ministry, I used to preference a lot of doctrine that I was going to be unpacking, which I believe, and then I would just share it. And I had a wise old pastor come up to me one day, and he said, John, he said, I respect you, and I'm so thankful for what you're doing. He said, but there's one thing you've got to stop saying. And I said, what is it? I mean, I'm kind of worried. What is it? He said, you've got to stop saying I believe. It doesn't matter what you believe. He told me that. It doesn't matter what you... That's a wise old pastor. Matter of fact, he's one of my theology professors in Bible college. He said, it does not matter what you believe. All that matters is what God words, God's Word says. So he said, preference that. Scratch the phrase, I believe and share the doctrine. Scratch that and say, God's Word says and share the doctrine. 
and let the chips fall where they may. Right? Because it doesn't really matter what we believe. Now, you can't go too far with that because we must believe in the gospel, right? We must have faith and trust in, in the Word of God. But whenever we start thinking about things in the world, we must go to the Word of God to determine and see how we should walk and what God's Word says. Now, the Bible's filled with, with different ways, and I tried to do that intentionally. On a given Sunday, I just don't want to unpack theology for you. You, you know, in... Whenever you, whenever you start looking into, and this, this comes out of my homiletics class many years ago, but homiletics is how to rightly divide or how to rightly preach and deliver a message, and uh, you're, you're dividing the Word of God, and you're sharing it, and you're giving it to folks, and then it's how to do that. And, and I want you to know there's, there's a few different worlds whenever we talk about sharing a message that we visit, and I don't know if you've ever seen this, but I, I'm gonna, let me try to bring it to your attention. World number one is the biblical world. What does the Bible say? in the culture of that day, in everything that was taking place in that day when the Apostle Paul, for instance, was living and writing the Scripture. So you've got to unpack what was going on in that world. And then there's another world that you've got to visit whenever you preach a sermon. Whenever you teach, you can use this in everything, right? So you have the context of the Scripture. World number one is the context of the Scripture, the day that it, the letter was written, the, the doctrine was written, the Scripture was written. World number two... Now, for us, is the 21st century, right? You bring it now into this world, right? But now there's another world, though, that we must visit. Because if you just leave it in the biblical world, if you teach and share a message, you just leave it in the biblical world, it just stays there. And then you bring it to the 21st century, but now folks are listening and think, yeah, that's for so-and-so, and and that's for so-and-so, and and that's for so-and-so, and they kind of just leave it out their way. There's a third world that you must visit. So you have the biblical world, you have the 21st century, and then right here is where I like to spend a lot of my time. This is your world, right? I try to put the scripture, I try to bring it from the Bible into today's culture and then put it in your lap and give you something to walk out that door with, right? A way that you can live out the word of God. First John is a wonderful epistle for that. It's a wonderful letter. It's so practical in do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs and all these different things in in this cultural battle that we're in today. Go to 1 John and walk in the light, 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 7, okay? A couple weeks ago, I shared with you two steps. Number one was practice stewardship. And if you missed that, you can go back, and I think Brad may have it up on, uh, I don't, online here real soon, and you can go listen to that or watch that and see that. But walk, or, or step one, is practice stewardship. Well, what is stewardship? If you remember here at Victory Church, there's four words that we always use. Let me give you a hint. What are those four words? God owns it all. We must realize that as a steward, I am just a manager. Nothing I have is my own. Everything belongs to God. God owns it all, even your life. I want you to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 through 20. It says, do you not know that your body, everybody say your body. Do you not know that, everybody say your body. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. Now get this next phrase. You are not your own. Let's say that together. You are not your own. Why? Because you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. 
So even our bodies are not ours. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are just stewards. We're just in this fleshly vessel for a temporary period of time. Matter of fact, really just like a grain of sand on the seashore compared to all eternity is those 70, 80, 90, 100 years that we may live here on this earth. Right? We're just borrowing this fleshly body. It all belongs to God. So I want you to know that in our Christian walk, we need to walk that way. Our time, our resources, our talents, our money, everything belongs to God. And I want you to ask yourself the question, are you using those resources well? Are you managing them well? Right? Christian stewardship. Number two we talked about a couple weeks ago was mastering yourself. Master yourself. Now, there's a lot of scripture pertaining to this. I want to revisit this one again because I didn't get to unpack this one completely. I ran out of time, mainly because I spent way too long in the introduction a couple weeks ago. So I want to bump into this one just a little bit more and briefly talk about it once again. First John chapter 2 and verse 27 and following says, But the anointing that you receive from him abides where? Abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about what? Everything. And it's true and is no lie, just as it has taught you about in him. Now, the author of the book is what I kind of unpacked last week or a couple weeks ago. The author of this book, the author of the scripture lives within us. And in Corinthians, it talks about how the word of God is spiritually discerned, right? So if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ and the author of the book is not abiding in you, you're going to have a hard time understanding what the Scripture says, right? That's why you just don't want a carnal, worldly, unbelieving politician or influencer or teacher or a professor or whoever it may be, and they don't know Christ as their Savior and the Holy Spirit's not abiding in them. You don't want them rightly dividing the Word of God because they're not going to do it rightly, right? Because it's spiritually discerned. So I just want you to see that. Now let's go on a little further. Verse 28. And now little children abide in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Verse 29. If you know that he is righteous you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Now here's where I want you to get. We are to be practicing righteousness. Now I've tested this for 54 years now. I turned 55 in November. It's hard for me to believe that I'm 50, almost 55 years old. But I've put this to the test. And I've realized that apart from Jesus Christ, there is no righteousness within me. I've come to that. You don't say amen right there. I'm just, I'm just kidding you. There, there is no righteousness within me, right? There's no righteousness within any of us. There's none of us that can live a holy and righteous life within ourselves. We are of the flesh, right? We must be born again. We must have He who lived a sinless life come in us through the person of the Holy Spirit and abide in us so that we can discern the Word of God so that in His power, through His strength, not our own, we now can live a righteous life. I want you to get that. So we must master ourselves. And that starts whenever we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
Now, look what Scripture has to say about self-control. What Scripture is teaching us is that we must be in control of ourselves. Now, I've watched a lot of people blame everybody else for what's going on in their life and fail to take responsibility for what's going on in their life. Just let me say something. Where you are today is a direct result of decisions you made yesterday. And if you do not like where you are today, it's really nobody's fault but your own. You've got to change your decision-making process and start making better choices and better decisions so you end up at a better place than where you are now. Say amen or oh me. Right? We must take responsibility for those things and we must learn to master ourselves. You cannot do that by yourself. You cannot do that apart from the Holy Spirit of God. Guys, do you realize that mastering yourself, having self control, is a gift? It's a fruit of the Spirit? Do you realize that? God wants you to be in control. He doesn't want you to be out of control out there in the world. He wants you to be in control, walking in righteousness. But the only way you can do that is when he that abides in you is not only your Savior, but he also becomes your Lord. There's a lot of folks that say, well, I want to go to heaven. I want to be saved. But I don't know that I want him telling me what to do with every area of my life. Now, that's a problem. You've got to die to self, and you must surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So what I want you to understand is that God wants you to be in control of yourself by allowing the Holy Spirit of God to control you. There's got to be some self-control there. In all faculties of your life, there's got to be some self-control governed by the principles of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God that lives within us. But at the end of the day, God gives us this amazing, beautiful gift called a choice. One of the greatest gifts that God has given any of us is the ability to choose. We've got to choose self-control in our physical, mental emotional state, we must have self-control. It's a gift of the Spirit. Galatians 5. I'm not going to spend much time on this, but Galatians 5, 16. But I say, here it is. Walk, once again, your lifestyle governed by the principles and the doctrines of the Word of God. First John is found again in Galatians 5. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then it goes on and it lists some of the desires of the flesh in verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh are, and it goes on and on. I want you to get to verse number 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, you see, you get to produce the fruit of the flesh, or you get to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And the choice is yours. You get to decide which bundle of fruit you want to produce in your life. And he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The point being, God wants you to be in control of you. Once I already said, or I've already said, that such a quality is impossible to attain apart from from the power of God's Holy Spirit. I want you to understand that. You, what I'm talking about, you may be saying, oh, I don't know if you're... No, I'm completely in Scripture what God is teaching here. But you cannot do this by yourself. 
You can only do this when the Holy Spirit of God empowers you and you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This thing called self-control, it denotes self-mastery, no doubt primarily relates to curbing the fleshly impulses that are described in Galatians there. So we get a choice every single day. Are we going to surrender, submit to the desires of the flesh? Or are we going to try to produce the fruit of the Spirit? Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and following. For the grace of God's appeared and offered salvation to all people. Verse 12, it teaches us to say no. Hello. Say no. Reach, reach and poke your neighbor on the shoulder and says, God says to say no sometimes. Go ahead. You see, because there's a lot of folks that if they are told no, at the age of whatever adult age they are, they throw a two-year-old tamper fit right there in their life. Any of your kids ever throw those little fits? Right in the middle of the grocery store, right? Usually at the most inconvenient times when everybody's watching, they throw their little fit, right? Your kids ever do that? Mine never did, but maybe yours did. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Of course they did, right? You're like, I'll get you home. If you make it home, I'm going to, right? <laughs> We've all been there, experienced that. Now, as a papa and a mama, right, we get to walk around and we get to watch parents deal with those kids at that age. And we just grin. We say, Lord, bless them. Bless their heart, Right? We've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, the headaches, the endless nights of sleep. You know, that's kind of just part of life, right? But I want you to look also. There's some things we need to say no to. There's some folks today that just cannot accept that word. They don't want to be told no about anything. It teaches us to say no to what? To ungodliness and worldly passions. Now, we're going to say no to ungodliness. We're going to say no to these worldly passions. We're going to say no to the desires of the flesh. And Scripture says, and we are going to live how? Self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Look at another passage of Scripture. I just want you to see where gaining self-control, mastering yourself, is biblical. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7. It says, for God gave us a spirit, what? Not of, I love this verse. I kind of jumped on it a couple weeks ago and unpacked it a little bit. I love this verse. God's not given us a spirit of fear, right? But of power and of love and of what? He's given it to you. It's whether you're acting on it or not. 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 and following, verse number 3 says, says that his divine power has given us everything required for life. We jump on down to verse number 5, and it says, For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, verse 6, knowledge with what? Self-control. So we're to add to our faith some things. We're to supplement our faith with some things. I just want to make the biblical argument that self-control and mastering yourself is a fruit of the Spirit, and God wants us to walk that way, right? He wants us to live that way. Now, are you ready for a test? You know, I told you one of the greatest gifts God has given every single one of us is the power to choose. It's the power of choice. 
Every single day, decisions that we make on a daily basis, I want you to know, and I've already unpacked this, have profound impact on our life. The choices we get to make. Beautiful gift that God has given us. So let's do a little practice right here. Are you ready? Let's practice. We're going to practice self-control, okay? That's what we're practicing right here, mastering yourself. Let's see if we can practice, practice this a little bit and see where we are. Are you ready? Okay, number one thing I want you to do, I want you to think of one word that you aspire to be known as. Think of one word or one thing that you aspire to be known as. When folks mention your name, what's the first thing that pops in their head? What is that thing that you want to be known as? Right? Think about that. You need to write it down. Right now you're doing some soul searching, hopefully. You see, right now I've come from the biblical world in the 21st century. I'm in your world right now. Just I don't know if you're connecting the knots, but that's where we are, just so you know. We're practicing. What is that one thing? What is that one word that you aspire to be known as? You need to write it down. You need to put it on a board somewhere. You need to have... I don't know if you guys are into that and goals and targets and things that you try to reach and be and become. And I mean, I'm, I'm kind of all into that kind of stuff. And there's something that, that I, I, that's what I want. That's what I aspire to be. That's what I want to do. And, and it's posted in different places. And I get, I get notifications. I put calendar events that pop up. Hey, remember, are you doing this? Oh, no, I forgot that. Let me do that. You know, so that I can be. This is that one thing I aspire to be known as. What is it for you? Don't shout it out, but you need to know what it is. You know, don't live life just going through every day having no clue where you're going what you're doing. Hopefully you have purpose and meaning and intentionality in what you're doing every single day. So think of one word you aspire to be known as. Now, number two is this. Think of one word that, keyword others would describe you as. Now, you have this one thing you aspire to be, this one word that you aspire to be known as. Now I want you to think of the one word that others would describe you as. And then the question is, do they match? What people are saying about you and what they think of you and what they would describe of you, does it match the one word that you are aspiring to be? Hopefully it does. Let's go a little further in this practice. I want you to review your online persona, right? Whatever media you use, whatever, if you blog or if you do videos or, or Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or all these other venues that we have to express ourselves, right? Everybody has a platform today. Everybody has a voice today. You can share with the whole world everything that you're feeling today. Well, let's, let me tell you something. There's some things you probably should not be sharing with the whole world. But let me ask you this. Look at your online persona. If you blog, go back and look at your blog post. If you do videos, go back and watch your videos. If you do statuses on Facebook, go back and check. Just look at everything that you're posting on your wall. Everything that you're posting. You do Twitter. I'm I'm probably more of a Twitter guy than I am a Facebook guy. Go back and look at all your tweets. You know, you can, you can do that. You can research and look at every tweet that you've ever posted. You can retweet and go back and look at every retweet you've ever done. 
I'm not a big Instagram guy. I never track that, but I post on there just because I know it reaches another audience. And so I have an account and I throw stuff out there. By the way, I use Hootsuite. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. I can do one post and it hits all of them at one time. Did you guys know that? Cool little device, right? I don't have time to read all that stuff on everything, everybody. But I want to post. I want to put it out there. I want to reach people. Go back and look at your online persona. Does it match that person that you aspire to be? If it doesn't, then we need to change some things. Here's something else. Does what you're posting reflect the one word you aspire to be? On all platforms. Guys, you know what this boils down to? It boils down to choices and decisions. And self-control. Matter of fact, um, I remember, yeah, if not, make better choices. I remember uh, I was getting some counsel from a pastor, and this was early in my ministry. And do you realize there's more pastors that resign on Monday morning than any other day of the week? Do you realize that? There's more pastors that resign from their church and leave the ministry on Monday morning more than any other day of the week. Because it's, it's, it's that time of reflecting. They just came through Sunday services and maybe there was a, a meeting of some sort or something that came to place. And they start writing those, those resignation letters. And I had a pastor many years ago that said, hey, if you feel like writing a resignation letter, write it. But write it in your journal and hold on to it. And don't, because there's something therapeutic about getting it written out, what you're feeling on the inside, Right? But he said, don't give it to anybody. Put it in your journal. Then pray over it for a few days, a few weeks, a couple months before you make a drastic decision. And I can't tell you in my journals back in my office how many times I've written out. Man, I've been so frustrated. I've wanted to quit the ministry, quit Victory Church, lay my Bible down, walk away, not preach again. And it's all written out. But nobody's read those but me and God. But the problem we have today is that we all get to that point in life where we're so extremely frustrated with whatever it may be that's going on, and we throw it out there on social media for the whole world to see. It's not a very good reflection, often sometimes, of our walk with Christ, because it's the flesh that's rising up, oftentimes, and dictating to us some of those impulses that we have. Are you guys tracking with me? You know where I'm going with that? So just be careful with that and make a few better choices. Let me give you step number three. Love your neighbor yourself. I'm going to hit these really quick. Number three, love your neighbor as yourself. First John chapter 3 and verse number 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And then in Matthew 22, this is one of the key verses that we built our mission statement off of here at Victory Church, where it's love God, love others, pass our faith to the next generation. It comes out of Matthew 22, the love God, love others. The greatest command in Matthew 22 is a reference to the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, where the Lord said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But then he said, the second is likened to the first. Let's read this together. Love your, together, love your Love other people as much as you love yourself. If you don't want to do harm to yourself, why do harm to other people? Right? 
Matter of fact, you've all seen these references out there. You've seen Ark, right? Acts of random kindness. Have you ever just gone through your day and thought, what can I do to bless somebody else today? What can I do to help someone else today? What can I do? What's some acts of random kindness that I can do for people today? I've been around those people who never ask you, how's your day? I've been around those people who could care less how your weekend was or how your day was. And all they care about is themselves and wanting their agenda taken care of. They could care less about you and your life. Don't be that person, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Practice the ark, acts of random kindness. Look for opportunity to be polite. Look for opportunity to do something for someone else. It'll blow them away whenever you do some random acts of kindness. Our world is not used to that today. But as a Christian, that should be part of our walk. We should look for opportunity to love others, right? So acts of random kindness. Another one is joy. You've heard of this. This is the acronym for a joyful life. Is joy. Jesus, others, yourself. Once again, we're putting other people before ourselves and our own agenda. So it gets back to the principle of simply just loving your neighbor as yourself. That is step number three. And let me finish with number four, and I'll be done with this one today. Step number four, behave respectfully. Now, I'm talking about walking in this Christian life. Behave respectfully. Well, what does that mean? In 1 John chapter 3, in verse number 8, Scripture says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And then it goes on and it talks about in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. I don't know if I have that in there in the next verse. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 13. It says this, that love is patient and kind. And love does not envy or boast. What's the next part? Read it with me. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not behave rudely. So behave respectfully. Rude behavior comes from a lack of love and a lack of concern for someone else. Coarse talk, harsh words, they hurt. Whoever said the the little phrase, I remember when I was a kid, we say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whoever said that told you and me a lie. Would you agree that words do hurt? Sure they hurt. Don't be that one that is spewing garbage and trying to tear down. I've seen some folks that they just open their mouth and it's just... I mean, they're just talking. They have no idea what they're even saying a lot of times. And oftentimes it's just garbage. I'm like, are you not putting any fault whatsoever about what's spewing out of your mouth. And as a Christian, as a believer, do you realize a good indication of what's going on in our spiritual walk can be identified by what's coming out of our mouth? From the abundance of the heart. Finish it for me. Who knows that scripture? The mouth speaketh or speaks. Right? What's going on in your heart is going to make its way out in your mouth. So apparently if you're rude and arrogant 
and spewing harsh words. You are not walking in the Spirit of God. You are fulfilling the desires of the flesh, not the fruit of the Spirit. It's a choice, and we get to choose. So think before you speak. Think about it. Dirty jokes, malicious gossip that tears people down. Our job as Christians is to build each other up. And rude behavior undermines the work of edification that we're called to do and be as believers and Christians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I don't think I have this for you, Byron. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. So, rude behavior is sinful destruction. It's walking in darkness. It's not in the light of God. So behave respectfully. So there's you four things right now that you can take, and I'll unpack the next two the next time we come together. But whenever we start talking about this walk that we're walking, we're talking about Christian stewardship. Right? Let's go back and hit these. We're talking about, number one, Christian practicing stewardship. Right? Shout out number two. What's number two? Mastering yourself. Shout out number three before I get there. And number four. Start applying those things to your life. It's a choice, a decision that you'll make every single day. You've got to bring yourself under the lordship of Jesus Christ and practice some self-discipline, some self-control in living this out and walking this way, okay? I'll unpack the next two for you next time we come together, okay? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for our time together today. And Lord, my prayer is that we as believers would walk in the light as you are in the light and have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing us from all sin. God, help us to walk every single day in the way that your word teaches us that we're to live. It does matter how we live our life. And Lord, my prayer is today, if there's someone under the sound of my voice that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day that they realize that they're a sinner, that you love them, you died on the cross for them, you were buried, you rose again victoriously the third day, you ascended to the right hand of God the Father. There you're making intercession for us, and we just got to trust in you and believe in you and repent of our sins and ask you into our heart. My prayer is that someone would do that today. I also pray for the believers and Christians that are listening and have listened today. God, help us in our daily walk to make wise decisions, to do the right thing, to walk in a way that you've called us to walk as believers. It does matter. Father, forgive us for where we fail you. And there's not one of us here, including myself, that is perfect. We've all come up short. But we need to be reminded from day to day how we're to live and walk in this life. Bless each one that's here, every family that's represented. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you've just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360 or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com.
If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.